Welcome to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Brian Christofferson. I'm joined by fellow old guy Michael Brunts. Um, no Mike Schaefer today, so it's just us two. And uh, your birthday's on New Year's Day, right? Is that correct? It is, yes. Okay, the only reason I bring that up, I'm not going off, off topic here. I'm going right on topic. It's possible, Michael Brunts. You could spend what whatever birthday number this is for you, 26, 27, is that it? Yes, yes. That, Make that, it a little that, older. Yeah, a little older. But whatever birthday it is for you, you could be send it, spending it in, uh, like, Detroit, for example, watching uh, Nebraska play Rutgers or something. That sounds pretty good. For, for a while, um, Nebraska playing on my birthday was kind of a, a regular occurrence, and even in recent times, too. I mean, you had the, the Music City Bowl took place on January 1st, I believe. Uh, you had both of the Capital One Bowls in back-to-back years taking place on the 1st. I, I also believe the, uh, the legendary win over Georgia and the Jacksonville Reign was also on the 1st, oh, yeah. was it not? Yes, it was. I can't remember the tight. Remember that Georgia tight end who just dropped that fourth down pass. Um, basically, he could have almost walked into the end zone, or he would have been at the, like the two yard line at the worst. And he dropped the pass, and Bo got a big win. But yeah, yeah. that was a birthday present for you. <laughs> and and seeing a very sad Uga have his kennel carried out uh, <laughs> of, of Jacksonville Stadium was also that was probably the highlight of that year. But. Anyways, yes, it, th- those games would probably have a little bit of a different feeling than uh, taking on Lovey's boys in Detroit in, uh, in January. Well, why are we talking about this? Some people ask, some people know. There's reports out there. It, was, it seems like it was leaked to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel um, through Wisconsin of the Big Ten's growing interest in a winter season that might start in early January. And there was mention within that story of playing these games in domes, you know. Of course, of course, it's going to be like maybe eight degrees here in Lincoln, Nebraska. So you're talking about playing in like Detroit, Minneapolis, where you can make your Vikings playoff jokes later. Well, there'll be plenty of time for that. They won't be occupying the building, I'm sure you would tell me, so they can <laughs> play games there. Um, Indianapolis, places like that. I guess you could play like the Carrier Dome or something like that too, you know, if you wanted to let Rutgers feel a little more at home. Um, So that's out there. And then yesterday, Ronnie Green did an interview with Jack Mitchell of KLIN. Friend of the pod, Jack Mitchell. Yeah, a shout out to him. He did a very good job with the interview. Uh, By the way, I'm not just sucking up. He did. He asked all the real questions much better than the Sports Business Journal interview with Kevin Warren (laughs) that lasted about two or three minutes. Uh, This one was actually informative. And Ronnie Green said there is a growing level of enthusiasm for that, uh, that winter season or winter scheduling with, with coaches in AD, probably because there has to be, right? Yeah. Um, I, it, I, I felt like we, we actually learned quite a bit from that interview um, about what did or didn't happen and, you know, when it happened and, and kind of what Nebraska's take on everything. It, I mean, I walked away from that interview thinking that, you know, Nebraska, the, the reports about Nebraska wanting to leave the Big Ten and all this, the, the kind of pearl clutching and hand wringing uh, was maybe not what was happening in, uh, in truth there. 
Well, yeah. I mean, Nebraska didn't want to leave the Big Ten. Some fans may think that or think they would be better in the Big 12. But Ronnie Green and the university president don't want Nebraska to leave a conference that is pretty well known academically, that Nebraska fought like heck to get in just 10 years ago. And they never threatened to do so. And it was just mischaracterized a lot nationally. And it became done so much that it, I guess it just became like some fact or something, some misplaced fact that Nebraska wanted to leave or was basically giving the Big Ten an ultimatum. And that's, as Ron, Ronnie Green said, wasn't what happened. What Nebraska was interested in, like other schools, like Ohio State has been just in a different way, is what's out there? Is it possible in any way, since this is an unchartered time, to play football in 2020 in the fall? We just want to know. And that's basically where Nebraska stood, I think, if we just want to cut through it. And, and apparently that was not a great place to stand with some people, which was, is still odd to me. Yeah, and it, we also learned that a vote did take place. Um, Ronnie Green was pretty clear about that. Um, we, we learned that uh, it was not unanimous, which should not come as a surprise, but there was consensus. So there were some people or some schools that were kind of standing on the side of the line with Nebraska, uh, however many uh, he didn't say and wouldn't say, because I guess he's bound by a confidentiality agreement, <coughs> excuse me, for, for kind of going through those deliberations. But there was a vote, even though, you know, there, were, there was question at Minnesota and Penn State whether a vote took place, it did. And you know, the, the question now is, 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 you know, amid, you know, budget cuts and you've got reports at Purdue that, you know, some AD people there are looking at taking between a 10 and 40% pay cut for the, the coming year uh, in, in terms of cost saving measures. Uh, what, what's next? What, what is the, the way forward look like for the big 10? And that's where you, you get to that, that report out of Milwaukee that, Nebraska or the Big Ten is looking at uh, potentially, you know, playing in, in in the winter and and not the spring schedule that everybody was kind of talking about. Do you think that that's possible, Brian Christofferson? Yeah, because it has to be. Um, I think they'll make it happen um, because of the very financial reasons you're speaking of. It's it's suboptimal, of course, because for one. On those weekends, you're going to be going head-to-head -head with the NFL. Um, I mean, if you start a season in January, you're going head-to-head -head with the playoffs. Um, basketball, of course, college basketball, we don't know exactly how that season's going to work itself out yet either. Um, but that's part of the conversation. What happens with March Madness is interesting to me still. Um, you know, if, there's, if we have college football colliding with that, possibly still in March. But I do get the reasoning why they want to start in January. They want to give some spacing, for one, between the end of this, this winter season and a fall season. The one thing you do not want to do, you absolutely cannot do, is blow up the, uh, the fall of 2021. They'll never recover if that happens, you know, or it'll take, it'll take a decade to, do, to recover. Um, so you've got to be careful with that in that, 
in this attempt to play seven, eight games, whatever you want to do, that you don't completely get in the way of, of that opportunity. Uh, but the Big Ten TV money will still be, I would think, considerable uh, for playing some games then, and, and universities and athletic departments need that. The local economies won't be helped if, if we're playing these games, you know, in Minneapolis and uh, Detroit and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not going to help the, the bars and the, the rail yard you know, or anything like that. So um, that that's where it's, it's disappointing, but that's where we are. I did like that Ronnie Green just to, to throw us all a little bone. He, he threw in a quick hypothetical about, let's say things are going well, like with the Big 12 and SEC, and, uh, you know, they the saliva testing is working and stuff like that. Could the Big 10 possibly in, like, late October – um, you know, say, hey, let's play some games. He, he kind of threw that out there, and I, I don't think it's, it's very likely, and he said it's not very likely. But I did like that he gave us that, that little uh, thing to nibble on. But, but it, was, it was an oddly specific hypothetical. I feel like it was, like, straight out of the hype cast. Like, <laughs> it, it felt a little – like, he had obviously given that hypothetical some thought. Um, and I, I chuckled earlier because I was – as you were talking about Detroit um, – and, and bars being helped. I was thinking of that, that bar that you and I went in uh, before the Tigers Royals game a couple of years ago that had bubble hockey, uh, expensive little Caesars pizza. And that was about all it had going for it. That was the saddest place I've ever been. <laughs> it really was. I know Detroit takes a lot of licks and some of them maybe aren't fair. Some of them probably are really fair, but th- that was sort of the, picture of Detroit that you get in your mind um we did not get to play any bubble hockey which would have helped matters I was waiting for like Kid Rock to walk through the door um at that place but um yeah that well we could be back there on January 8th or something we we need to start checking to see if they're open on New Year's Eve I, I think might be the the way that we're approaching that now um the the one thing with with this winter schedule that i, I or proposed where schedule reported, wherever you want to put call it. Does the, I, I guess the, the percent chance that that happens, how does that change in your mind based on what happens with the other three power five conferences? So, you know, let's say the, the three are able to, to get through with some kind of season um, and, and they get the car across the finish line. Uh, d- does that change in your mind what the Big Ten does and, and with how much vigor they try to do it? Or, you know, if, if the other three have to, to call it off, does the Big Ten say, oh, just kidding, we're, we're going we're gonna to punt and move on to 2021? How, how do you think that kind of affects everything the Big Ten does, does going forward? Or, or does it? I mean, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, the, the financial realities are what they are. Um, I, I guess how, does, how do you see that affecting things? That's a pretty good question. Um, I think the fi- the finances are going to make them do it. I really do. No matter what happens with the other leagues this this fall. Um, now, if the I will say this: if the if we're giving a percentage gauge, if the other leagues finish their year, then I definitely think it's happening. Um, and maybe it just it it slinks down a few percentage points if they don't finish or if it they don't even get going. Um, although in that case, what I think would happen 
if for some, let's say like the next month is just a terrible month for college football and SEC suddenly and ACC and Big Twelve are like, ah, we can't do this actually, which I don't think is going to happen. I think they'll try no matter what. Um, but what what would they do then? I think I think they would like the Big Ten maybe all try together form a little mini season um, in the winter and, and see what happens. So I, I, I think either way they're going to do it. I do. I actually, I think it will happen. And I don't think it's just, I know some people think it's just the big 10 throwing that out there and then they're going to pull the rug away again. I don't think they can afford to do that. Um, imagine what student athletes in this conference will think and feel and do if for a second time they put a schedule in front of them, which I suspect they will in the next week or two, and then say, oh, never mind, you know. Um, I, I don't know if they'll have a specific schedule, but I think they'll have a rough draft schedule in front of them here pretty soon. And if they suddenly say, oh, we're kidding again, man, I don't know how this league recovers from it. That's why I don't think it, they, they can play a game on this. Whatever you think of Kevin Warren and how he's handled it, and there's a lot to be said there, I don't think they can afford to, for a second time, be Lucy pulling the football away from players as they're going to kick it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's an important point. I mean, wh- whatever they decide to do, they, they need to kind of stick with it because right now in the Big Ten you have – you have really a crisis of leadership. You also have a, a pretty much a master's class in how not to communicate, um, you know, from, from an executive level and, and from a commissioner level. I mean, it, you, you, in addition to Ronnie Green talking yesterday, you had uh, Kevin Warren uh, write, I guess, a more specific letter than, than what he had said to this point. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like we learned. I, we definitely didn't learn anything from that sports business journal interview. Did you feel like you really learned much from that letter? I mean, it, it was kind of like, a, well, yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, no, no, we kind of assumed that that was maybe what they were looking at when they decided to postpone the season. But I didn't feel like there was really anything substantive there that, that makes you feel like, oh, okay, well, I feel a little bit better about the decision that they made. I mean, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that I know for a fact that, that parents uh, of players don't feel any better about the decision based on that letter. I mean, and, and that's why I think you have to, you're right. If you say, okay, we're going to make a go at this in January and this is what the next year is going to look like, you know, you have to do everything within your power to make that happen. And if, if they do say, okay, January is what we're going to shoot for. I mean, I think you would have a chance to at least get that off the ground because at least at Nebraska, you have classes, classes are done at at Thanksgiving in person wise. So you're going to have an empty campus. You would basically have a month to kind of build up to uh, the start of a season. You would be playing three weeks of games uh, again, you know, with, with having players on campus without other students around so I, I think you could kind of get it going you would hope that the saliva testing is at a better spot by then you know more about uh, COVID that might help uh, with, with keeping guys safe but I, I think from just an optics standpoint whatever the Big Ten's next move is uh, they, they need to, to make something happen and 
I, I agree with you that, you know, you, you really do need to get this right if you're the conference because, you know, as much as the, the financial part is an issue, I mean, right now you have a severe lack of trust, I think, in the conference that, that everything is going to uh, go forward without hiccups. Yeah, and the Kevin Warren letter, I mean, it was, it was better than what, what had been out there, which isn't saying much. The bar wasn't very high. And I'm not saying this is to be anti-Kevin Warren, because I wasn't even like two weeks ago. I had not one beef with the guy, really, you know. Uh, if, if he would have went back a month, I'd be let, let's see how he does. I, he has a good resume. Um, but I didn't think his letter was all that specific, to be honest. Um, I thought he – he rehashed some of the main nationally known numbers regarding COVID-19. And I think that risk is well understood. And there's a very good debate to be had about, you know, whether you should play or not play. But I don't, I don't think he, he got inside those numbers uh, as well as I would have thought they might if they're going to put out a letter like this. So I saw some people's initial reaction was like, oh, great, you know, very good letter. If only this had come a week ago. I thought, yeah, if only it had come a week ago and it still should have been better. Um, right. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was how I read the letter yesterday. And I read it. I like to think I read I came into it with an open mind. When he put it out there, I was like, okay, he's going to get really into it here. And I still don't think he did. I don't think he's going to – I know there's some people listening who will say the parents of players and the players would never be satisfied no matter what he said. And maybe there's some truth in some corners to that, but he could have went further than he did. And I was disappointed that it took until yesterday when you have all weekend, you have, you know, parent groups forming, writing letters and stuff like this to get some sort of response from him. Um, and I, I know now it, the narrative is, oh, the, the Big Ten's got to rehab and come together and all this and that. Um, but the bottom line is, no matter what national writers tell you, because they want Kevin Warren and their people as a source, he's a wounded commissioner right now. There's, you can't convince me otherwise, because there's going to be a lot of coaches and some ADs who are really questioning, um, you know, what went on here and what's going to go on now in the future. So he's got to have a very very transparent, well-communicated few months with these coaches and ADs as they figure out their next plan. Because I, th- I would have to think right now, uh, there's not a love, lot, a lot, a lot of love lost between some parties over there. And, and it's it's hard too because it's the the failings of the last week and a half, um, you know, stand in pretty stark contrast to you know, what, what the Big Ten was kind of known for under Jim Delaney. And, and, and that's – I don't know if it's because, you know, the, it's so markedly different from the way things have gone that, that you know, maybe that's why the, the heat is there. But, you know, it is, I think it's true that, you know, this is the first time in a long time that you've seen a little bit of a fracture, at least some cracks show in the Big Ten and the way they go about things. Um, so I – I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it's going to the next next few weeks or until they kind of announce a plan, whatever it is, are, are going to be important for, you know, kind of managing how they go forward. And I, I think if, you know, when they do or if they do announce something, uh, I, I think they need to be pretty darn clear about what 
under what circumstances they'll go forward that they won't. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's not in a good spot right now. And, and, and it's been interesting to watch this from, from Nebraska's point of view too, because, you know, in, in a week they went from, you know, kind of the villain or at least being painted that way, uh, from, from national media to, uh, kind of starting all this. And now you've got Ohio state, um, kind of in the same camp. I, I think you can see Penn state in the same camp. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's going to be this, you know, people were asking me at the start of the week, you know, what does this mean long-term for, uh, you know, how Nebraska's viewed in the big 10. I, I don't think that anything's necessarily changed. Am I wrong? No, I don't think so. Um, because I, there's a lot of people that agree with them. <clears throat> it was just mischaracterized. It was painted as that it's one against everybody else. And maybe in the president's room, it was like 12 to two or something like that. But that's a very select group um, who's not going to, you know, they're not going to have an impact on when we get to fall Saturdays and we're actually playing again. I, I think, you know, a lot of fans at least half the fans out there, I think across the big 10 kind of like that Nebraska was standing up a little bit to, to the decision. Um, and the, also I think people maybe recognize that it, it wasn't painted correctly by some, some writers. And I, I hate to do that because I don't like media on media conversations a lot. And I know the national people see the reaction in Nebraska, like, man, what a bunch of homers covering that program, you know? But I think, you've seen the reaction you have locally because we cover it so closely in this state that we know when something doesn't pass the smell test with how it's being reported nationally and it's not right. And it was clear that there were just inaccuracies. And I, I saw, I've seen them in columns that were being written as of like Tuesday this week still. And that's, that's disappointing to me. Um, in the journalism profession because there were some basic facts that were missed there. And so that's, that's why I feel the way I do. You know, there's a thing they have the Q rating, which rates popularity of people. Oddly enough, I think like the Q rating right now of like Frost and, you know, Ronnie Green, Ted Carter, Bill Moose, probably pretty darn good in this state, no matter what anybody on the outside thinks, because they held firm and they were all on the same page with their position and that helps them. I mean, at least it's not fractured within the university. That's what's important here at other schools. You've got a pre you've got presidents who maybe disagree with the head football coach on what's happened and all this, this and that. And um, that's not the case here. And so we can talk about whether there's a fracture between Nebraska and the rest of the big 10. I don't think it really matters. What matters is Nebraska is actually probably more unified than it's been in a while across all these fronts. And that's a very good thing for this program going forward if, once we get out of this mess. So that's, that's the one positive out of this for Nebraska, I guess, if you want to look for a silver lining. It, all, all it took was football being canceled to, to align everybody. And a Pat Forty tractor jab. <laughs> it, yeah. it was one tractor jab too far. <laughs> We were kind of teetering, and then that tractor jab came, and yeah. people were like, that's enough. Like, that was what brought the Hulk out in everybody. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a weird, weird, uh, weird week or two. 
but there've been some weird days covering this program. So that's, that's, that's part of the fun, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you got anything else? I, I feel like it, we just kind of needed to get a little rundown of what's happened the last couple of days. It's been, I, I mean, what's the next thing we've got, you've got the eligibility question out there that, that the NCAA is apparently, uh, been advised on by its board of governors to basically not wipe its hands, but just kind of say, you know, that whatever happens this year doesn't count for eligibility purposes. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, I, I guess, you know, when you're, you're talking about potentially expanding scholarship numbers or, having you know bigger rosters for at least a short period of time it's it's tough to imagine doing that uh when you're you know already looking at you know like nebraska a hundred million dollar shortfall potentially uh from not playing games but do you i guess that that the way that that was kind of put forth do you see how do you see that playing out at nebraska where you have a smaller senior class but um you know, you've got some guys there that I think have some, you know, legit draft aspirations. I think they would want to honor it with those guys, at least through the spring or winter season. Um, because in a lot of ways, to me, that winter season is about those type of players more than anybody. Like the Brandon Hymas, Deontay Williams guys who need um, to get out there, put some stuff on film. Um are sticking with you through this process, you know, um, hopefully. And I think they need some sort of reward or opportunity to show what they've got as seniors, not to mention, I think it, if we just get into the football side of it, Nebraska's got like good, solid key leaders that, in, that are seniors this year. They haven't always had that. They've had some senior classes recently where you'd be like, oh man, I just don't know where – where the real leadership comes from, but there's a, there's not a ton of guys left from the 2016 class, but those guys who are left, they're all solid, like locker room guys, and they could be very good players in their final years. And when you think of like Boodles and Ben Stillies and, um, you know, Hymas and Diedrich Mills wasn't a 2016 guy, uh, Stol but Stol yeah, Jack Stoll, there's a few more that I'm missing. You know, even guys, Colin Miller, Will Honus came in later, but he's a guy who I think has a lot of good football ahead of him still. So I do think – I made a long answer out of it, but I think Nebraska would definitely want those guys to be available because it's a, they're an important bridge to becoming good again, I think. You know, like I really feel that way. We talk so much about the 2019 class, but if this were a normal season, just as much was riding – on those seniors being the guys who kind of laid the path for the younger players to then uh, run on in the next few years. And so, yeah, I, I think they will honor those if they get the chance, but it it's hard because of the finances, like you say, because what you're going to have like 105 guys, you know, or something like that on scholarship. Well, and, and Nebraska too. I mean, just the way that they have walk-ons, I mean, you're looking at a huge roster, um, with, with you know walk-ons coming in from this this freshman class you still have a few left over uh, in that senior class too so it's not just those scholarship guys I mean it's 
it's a space thing too. I mean, that, that's why Nebraska was wanting to build a new facility was to accommodate uh, a little bit bigger roster. And, and now they would have to do that with, uh, you know, the old facility and uh, even more guys crammed in there. So uh, th- that'll be fascinating. I, I think to see how the NCAA does that. I actually thought in the spring uh, with, with some of the canceled uh, seasons there that they did the right thing. I mean, I, I think, you know, with like baseball, uh, giving all those guys the year back, I think you, you had to do that um, given the way that played out. So uh, maybe they'll I guess, do the right thing here as well. Got a dog that's angry in the background. Yeah, it's a UPS. You know, he's just old and he, he gets mad about everything now, kind of like I do. Um, <laughs> The thing that will bother me, my dog will bark. There'll be just an old lady that's like, you know, using a crutch walking on the sidewalk. And my dog sees her as a threat to us. So uh, I guess I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, sorry about the noise disruption. Those are good questions, though, about the eligibility. I'm interested what happens with early enrollees, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if if could those guys play in games, you know, something like that. I don't know that they'd be able to get on the field with the roster so loaded and full, but uh, that's, there's all sorts of like just nuanced things with this. And it's, it's a weird time, but also a good time to, uh, to be on Husker 24 seven, I guess. Right. Cause we're going to still have stuff happening. Oh yeah. Uh, tons of recruiting coverage, uh, high school sports getting going uh, next week. Uh, fingers crossed on that, but uh, we'll be out blanketing the state and the region uh, throughout the season. As long as there is a season to cover, we'll be there. So uh, quick plug, if you are uh, been on the fence about joining currently a 50% off an annual subscription uh, to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of uh, 24-7 sports, that goes to the end of the month. So don't, don't wait too long there. But uh, we will have a significant uh, amount of coverage uh, through the weekend. And next week, uh, the, the big decision uh, coming from Thomas Fedoni, the number one tight end uh, in the country uh, on Wednesday. So th- there's going to be plenty uh, to hit on. So uh, mm-hmm. make sure and, and keep it locked in at uh, Husker 24-7. We'll be back next week uh, with two podcasts. And uh, have a good weekend, Brian. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.